Hello? Well, welcome back to church. It's good to good to be with you. It's always good to be with you. We're we're like family around here, and uh, so we just hope you'll just make yourself right at home. Um, we're on God's time. We're gathered together in honor of Him to learn of Him. Our confidence is completely in Him. And tonight, I want us to uh, go back into the book of John again. We're in the 8th chapter, the book of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. If you have your Bible, follow along with us or look up on the wall and look at these words. These are precious words. These are, these are the words of Scripture. These are the words of God. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're, testing about your, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I am judging. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Then he said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me and die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews were saying, surely he will not kill himself, will he, since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you're from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sin, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, what have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and, and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. 
As he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word, for the glorious good news of the gospel, for the promise that we have that what lies ahead is more glorious than what we have now or what we have behind. Lord, we've had good times in life. We've had, it's been a joy. But, Lord, we know that you have something far greater prepared for us. Those who are not going to die in our sins, those are the ones that you have gone to prepare a place, a place of glory, a place of splendor, a place of radiance, a place of perfection, a place that is eternal, it's peaceful, and it's joyful, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, we praise you tonight. Lord, we pray that you'll give us the words tonight, Lord, to speak in honor of you, of your kingdom. And Lord, whoever is listening tonight by way of Facebook or on uh, YouTube, we pray, God, that you will touch them and touch their, touch their hearts and minds, Lord. Maybe they've been going to church, but they've quit going to church for whatever reason. Lord, we pray that you'll send them to a Bible-believing church. And if they don't know of one to, to go to, we pray they'll come to this one, Hoping Christ Fellowship. But, Lord, we just pray that this church will be a shining light in the midst of the darkness of the world. Lord, there's plenty of darkness. There's chaos, and there's, there's all kinds of turmoil all around us. But, God, we know that you have us in your hand, and we're stable. We're unshakable. We're unmovable because, Lord, you're the very foundation, and we believe in you, and we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated if you like. At the Feast of the Tabernacle, just to give you a little backdrop here, at the Feast of the Tabernacle, Jesus is in Herod's temple. And this is basically just a, a review of what we've uh, covered over the past couple of weeks. At the Feast of the Tabernacle, Jesus is in Herod's temple. He's presenting the teachings of the Father. He's teaching about his Father. He had been sought. He had been questioned. He had been murmured against by the Jewish leaders, and his credentials had been brought into question. They brought him into question, and Jesus explains that, he is the on, that he's only speaking as the Father has given him the things to say. He only speaks what the Father has given him to speak. He's accused of being demon-possessed because he said, you are going to kill me. You're seeking to kill me. Some told him he, he was mad. Some people told him, you are demon-possessed. So our Lord has been accused of being demon-possessed. But some question if perhaps he could be the Messiah because this man spoke as no one ever spoke before. They concluded that this could not be the Messiah, however, since, since they thought that he was the son of Joseph and that he was born in the city of Nazareth, which he was not. He was born in Bethlehem, as we know. But Jesus had claimed that his father had sent him. Some rejected the idea, yet some believed. That's the way it is today. Some reject the whole idea of the Lord Jesus Christ. They reject the whole idea of the gospel. They reject the whole idea of heaven they even reject the whole idea of hell, though they tell people to go there all the time. They reject it, but it's true. We're living in a time when those will reject 
and there are few who will receive it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way, the Bible says, and few there be that find it. You want to know why the place, these, these churches aren't uh, so crowded over? Because the Bible says that few there be that find it. The Bible says that in the last days that men would not endure sound doctrine. That is, they wouldn't tolerate sound doctrine. But they want to hear uh, preachers preach a message of prosperity or a message that gives them what they desire, gives them what they want. The rulers and authorities, they consider Jesus a threat. Many today consider the church a threat. They have problems with no other religion but the Christian religion. That's all they have problems with. Those are the only ones that they speak out against in hatred. That ought to tell you something. That ought to tell us something. That means we found the real Messiah. We're serving the only living God. All others are false. All others are man-made, man-generated. Or they're outright Satan completely. That's what the Muslims worship. They worship Satan. They won't tell you that, but they worship Satan. That's who their God is. Yet we have some that are running uh, in politics that are saying they'll fill their cabinet with these Muslims that are worshiping Satan. Call an ace an ace and a spade a spade. We don't need to be ashamed. We need to tell the truth. We need to stand bold. John MacArthur, I know some of you follow him and follow his church, and you, and, you, and you hear all the stuff that's going on out in California, the attacks against that church and how they want to shut that church down and not allow them to, to, to uh, come together to worship, even threatening to, uh, to arrest him. The man's been a pastor there for like 52 years. I believe the devil's time is short. I believe it's narrowing down. I believe things are becoming worse and worse and worse, just like the Bible said that they would, that in the last days that people would grow more and more wicked. Read 2 Timothy chapter 3. There it is. It's all laid out, chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you want to know what's going on in the world today, read it right there. The perfect picture of today. And that's when you know that his coming is soon. I believe his coming is indeed soon. But Jesus made an, an astonishing claim and he made a promise. Jesus claimed, as you know, to be the light of the world. And he promised that those who would follow him shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The religionists, they objected because they knew precisely that he was claiming to be the Messiah. He was claiming to be the Son of God and that he alone could give light to the world. The Jewish religious leaders, they were furious and they wanted him arrested and ultimately they wanted him dead. But the time wasn't yet, right? The time wasn't yet. It's going to be about six months later in Passover. Right now, we're at the Feast of, of Tabernacles, somewhere in around uh, October, November. The very next spring is when our Lord 
would go to Passover, and that's when he would be crucified. Right on God's time. Let's look at John 8, 21, and we'll review these scriptures. We'll see if we can uh, glean from this wonderful word of God with him being our helper. Then he said again to them, I go away, and you will seek me and die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Y'all, these are strong words. These are not words to utter to people that hate you. There's nothing in my mind that I find more disturbing than these kind of words. Jesus foretells of his departure from this present world and his ascension into heaven. He says, I go away and you will seek me. I go away and you will seek me. But they're seeking him would not be for salvation. Their seeking him would not be because they loved him, not because they wanted him to be the Lord and Savior of their life. But their their seeking him would be out of hatred. They would seek the Messiah to kill him. And as a result of their contempt, the Bible says that they will die in their sins. You see the riots and the, and the hatred and the anger and all of the, the, the craziness out in the streets and around uh, this nation. So-called protest has turned into riots and hatred and anger from every angle. Most hate God. Most hate Christ. Most use the most vile, wicked language that you could ever use. There's no vocabulary that gets any worse than some of their language. There comes a time when the day of grace closes. There's going to come a day when these that are shaking their fist at God, His mercy and grace is going to come to a close. There's going to come a time, the Bible says, that every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess Him as Lord. It's coming. There are those who are shaking their fist at God quietly and rejecting Him. And there are those that are out in the street making a lot of noise and breaking windows, shaking their fist at God. They too. The day of grace will close. To die in sin is the most terrible death. It's a sad thing for a person to die in prison. It's a sad thing for a person to die in a ditch somewhere. It's a terrible thing for someone to die in a far-off country in a war, face down in the mud, never to see their family in this world again. It's terrible, very sad. But there's nothing worse than to die in your sins. It's as bad as it gets because judgment is coming, and God's judgment is right. It's true. He's just in every sense of the word. To die in your sin is to stand before the great white throne judgment. It's to stand and be judged for the things that you did do and the things that you did not do, like receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. On that day of judgment, men will fruitlessly seek Christ. Oh, yes, they will. Some will say, you mean to tell me in the judgment they're going to seek Christ? Look with me in Matthew 7, 22. 
He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know something, with eagerness, we count upon the beautiful words and the beautiful promises that the Lord Jesus Christ has left for us. Church, we have so much to rejoice about. His promises, He's faithful to His promises. His promises, He's going to fulfill every single one of them. But we, we, we look for him to fulfill his promises. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you into myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Completely different destinies, completely different outcomes. The promise is so clear and it's so specific. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will bring you back with me. That is the Lord Jesus Christ that we worship in this place. We are that church that he is coming to take back with him. We're not going to stay here. We're going back with him. But I can't bear the thought of hearing these words, where I'm going, you cannot come. That's very heartbreaking. The Lord said the same thing back in chapter 7. Where I'm going, you cannot come. He's going to a place where those who refuse to believe in him never come. That's where Jesus is going. That's where we're going, is the place where people that never believe in him never get to go. There's going to be a separation, the sheep from the goats. Those who reject this wonderful gospel are foolish. The Bible says a fool is set in his heart there is no God. Those aren't my words. Those are his words. It's a fool. And the world gets angry. I posted that one time. Just I thought it was encouragement. But I had some angry feedback. He's calling everybody a fool. No, I'm not. The Bible says you are a fool if you said in your heart, in your heart. Pastor Steve was talking about 18 inches from the brain to the heart this morning. If you say in your heart, there is no God, the Bible says you are a fool. There's a lot of fools. Trying to turn Jesus' warning into, of reality into a joke. Verse 22 says, surely... He will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. The Jews 
did not simply misunderstand Jesus' warnings here. They didn't care to follow Christ into his death. They didn't care to take up their cross and follow him. They didn't care to live obediently to the laws of God. They didn't care to live obediently to God's holy word. That wasn't what they wanted to do. They will not willingly take up their cross and follow him, just as many today, most today, will not take up their cross and follow him. They're going to go their own way. As Frank Sinatra says, I did it my way. That's the way they want to do it. The question, surely he will not kill himself, will he? This reeks with sarcasm. I don't know if you've picked up on that, but it reeks with sarcasm, and I find it uh, ironic, in fact, that they, they who actually want to kill him are suggesting that he's suicidal. They're suggesting that he's suicidal. They knew that when he said, where I am going, you cannot come, he was talking about going to a place beyond the confines of this world. Now, it's worth noting that the Jews hated suicide. The Jews believed that there was a special dark place in hell for those who committed suicide. By assuming that Jesus might take his own life, they were assuming that Jesus was going to be in the darkest place of hell. Since they self-righteously thought themselves going to heaven and Jesus condemning himself to hell, they mocked him. We're not following you. You'll lead us to hell. You're talking about killing yourself. Instead of permitting themselves to be humbled, they snapped back at him, basically saying, well... If he's determined to take his own life, go right on ahead. You go right on ahead. He is indeed correct when he says that no one will follow him there. No one wants to follow him to hell. Verse 23 says, and he was saying to them, you are from below. See, Jesus was setting the record straight. He says, you're from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. You see, this is what you call a discourse. It was, this was a stern argument going on here. Jesus was rebuking them, and he was, he was in the temple rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees. He wasn't even supposed to be in there talking at all. And here he found him a place to stand and teach. Jesus makes it clear. You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. While they certainly did not deserve a serious conversation with the Son of God, the Lord continues to inform them of the vast difference between He and them. You see, church, there's a vast difference between the elect and those that are not elect. There's a vast difference between those who come to know and love and worship the Lord Jesus Christ and those who will not. Then Pastor Steve was talking this morning. We'll never agree. We're like oil and water. We'll never agree because most of what they love, we hate. And most of what they love, we hate. Maybe I said that the same way. It was backwards. You know what I'm saying? 
We don't like the same things. Our destiny is not the same. Our, our love for Christ is not the same. The reason they would die in their sins and not enter heaven is further explained. They were from below. That is, they were worldly, and they were serving their father, the devil. It is they who are of this world, but it is he who is not of this world, but it's clear that he was from above. Verse 24 says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. This is stern. These are straight, plain words. Repeating his warning yet again, Jesus declared that those who reject him will certainly die in their sins because they refuse to believe that he is the one. He says, you refuse to believe that I am he. It is every person's own responsibility to believe. I can't believe for you. You can't believe for me. I can't even believe for my children. Everyone is responsible. That is to trust that I am he. We are to trust that he is the one. By this, the Jewish leaders understood perfectly that that he was claiming to be God. And the Jews, they were appalled. They were irate by, by his use of the name of God in reference to himself. That by the end of this very chapter, they attempt to stone our Lord for blasphemy. So Jesus, he affirmed their imminent condemnation, telling them, you will die in your sins. You will. Verse 25 says, So they were saying to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? See, this is pretty, this is a pretty hated, uh, uh, heated conversation. Who are you? Really? After all that I have shown you, after all that I've told you, after the, John the Baptist had proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You didn't even believe John the Baptist. He was the last prophet out of the Old Testament. And again, this is he whose sandals I am unworthy to lose. You recall at Jesus' water baptism by John the Baptist, there was a voice. There was a voice that came out of heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was an audible voice. It was a voice that could be heard by those that were there witnessing the baptism. He had opened blinded eyes. He had given hearing to deaf ears. He had given strength to lamed legs. He gave them the ability to walk. He had turned the water into wine at the wedding. He healed the sick. He fed 5,000 plus the women and children over there on the hillside with fish and bread from a little boy's lunch pail. After witnessing his unrivaled wisdom and his teaching in the synagogue and temple and his undeniable claim of deity, and they still are asking, who are you? As it was with the rebellious nation of Israel, so it is with these willingly ignorant Jewish leaders. Isaiah 1.3, look at this. 
He says, an ox knows his owner, and a donkey his master's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Yet again in Jeremiah 4, 22, he says, For my people are foolish, for they know me not. They are stupid children and have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil, but to do good they do not know. Sounds a lot like the same people we know today, doesn't it? Woo! That was back in Jeremiah. In response to the Jews' stubborn, willful ignorance, Jesus says in verse 25 again, What have I been saying to you from the beginning? What have I been saying from the beginning of his ministry until now Jesus claims to be the Son of God. His claim hasn't changed. His claim to be deity has not changed. It's not been altered. But they wanted to get him to contradict himself as to who he was. And he was often under trying circumstances, intense suffering, and great provocation that Jesus was pressed to give an answer to those who wanted him to contradict himself. They wanted to trick him up. Verse 26 says, I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. You know, I believe the Lord's got many things to speak and to judge concerning all of us, don't you? He says, I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. These were hard-hearted men, and they had been given great revelation, and their ignorance was inexcusable. God the Father has given all judgment to the Son. We know this. The Scripture teaches this. Jesus didn't come to judge. He didn't come to condemn, but to seek those who are lost. We're still in the age of grace. We're still in the church age, the age of grace. Man still has the opportunity, if he will only humble himself and call upon the name of the Lord, there's still an opportunity to be saved. But God the Father has given all judgment to the Son. And in the future, we know that He's going to righteously, righteously judge the secrets of men. Oh, yes. All men are going to stand before Him, the saved and the unsaved. And, and we're all going to stand before Him, and all secrets of men are going to be revealed, both the living and the dead. Being omniscient, He has many things that He could speak. That is, he's all-knowing. He knows all things. He knows all things, and he could speak all things. He could speak. He could write a book on each and every one of us, every little detail of our life. He said, but he who has sent me is true. Jesus over and over reiterated, I don't speak on my own initiative, but I come to speak that which the Father has told me to speak. He was obedient. What a perfect example for us today to be obedient to what the Word of God says, to be obedient to our call and our commission, our work that He's given us to do in times like these. This is not the time to not speak. This is not the time 
to sit down and be quiet. This is not the time to hang the harp upon the willow tree and just say, you know what, it's no use. It's no use. Everybody's turned to evil. The laws are getting evil. They're attacking the churches. They're attacking the preachers. They're attacking. So I'm afraid they're going to take things away from me if I say anything. Now is not the time to be quiet. Now is not the time to sit down and shut up. Now is the time to proclaim the hope that you have. Now is the time. Today is the day. If not you, then who? If not us, then who's going to tell them about Jesus Christ? You won't hear much of it in the way of, in the way of social media. Or what you do hear of it is twisted. It's, it's skewed. It's taken out of context. It's lighthearted salvation. It's lighthearted confession. Rather than giving their all to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's just a little mind thing. Pastor Steve was talking this morning, a head thing rather than 18 inches. They missed heaven by 18 inches. That was pretty good. I like that. But that's true. It's a heart thing. It really is. The Lord's words, they were deliberate. Our words today need to be deliberate, yet measured. Our Lord, He was measured in His words. We need to be measured in our words. Words matter. We know that. We can, we can stir up a big old fire with just a little bit of words, or we can calm troubled waters with just a little bit of words. The Word teaches us to be wise, to be wise in the midst of our enemies. There's enemies all around those who despise the Lord Jesus Christ. It's He that they hate. It's really not you. It's really not me. They have no reason to hate us except that we're affiliated with Him. That's it. That's the problem. That's the whole problem is their hatred of Him. I see a lesson here, though. As I said, social media has become a tremendous open door for those or for anyone, for everyone who has an opinion or a Wi-Fi. If they have an opinion or a Wi-Fi, the whole world is accessible. They can say what they want to and get away with it. To say uh, just what they think, and in most cases, their words are not measured. In most cases, they're using words that, that they, wouldn't, they wouldn't use to you face-to-face. It might get them in trouble. But the tongue is unleashed like a vicious beast. The tongue is unleashed and is running wild uh, like a ravaging uh, beast, looking to destroy everything that, is, that, that tries to tame it, looking to destroy anything that would try to contain this wild beast of a tongue. But just because we think something doesn't mean we have to say it, right? Most people, they, they think it, and they're going to say it. They demand justice. But you know something? When they're demanding justice, they really aren't looking for justice. That's not really what they're looking for at all. They're looking for vindication. They want somebody to be destroyed. They want to sue somebody. They want to, uh, somebody to lose their job. They want somebody to lose their, their possessions. They want to destroy. That's what Satan came to do, kill, steal, and destroy. You see, that's a play right out of the playbook of Satan. To kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what the liberals want to do today. To you, church, if you lift up the name of Jesus Christ, they want you quiet. You put something on social media, and they'll bleep it out if it's too straightforward. James 1.26 says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, 
this man's religion is worthless. We need to be careful to bridle our tongue and not be like the world. We can stand for Jesus, but I think we can be measured in how we do that. We should, get, we should give ser- serious consideration to what our Lord would have us to say and not say just whatever comes to mind and refuse to let the world corrupt us. But we do need to take a stand. You know, I, I've, I've tried it both ways. I've tried being quiet. That didn't do no good. I've tried making a little too much noise. That didn't do any good. So now I'm going to try it the Lord's way. I'm going to speak as I'm led to speak, and I'm going to hush when I'm not. John 8, 27 says, They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And despite the fact that the Lord had so clearly spoken to them, despite that fact, they didn't have ears to hear. They couldn't hear. You see, they, they were dark in their hearts, and they couldn't accept what the Lord Jesus had to say. So Jesus says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. The height of the human wickedness could reach no higher point than the point of nailing the Son of God on a cross. That's the height of all wickedness. They, they murdered a perfect man. But Jesus willingly experienced the meanness. You see, the Lord knows how mean people can be. He experienced the meanness. He experienced the disgrace. He experienced the, the dishonor. He knows what it is to be insulted. He knows what it is to be tortured. Yet he was unshakable. He was unmovable. And he was triumphant. Of his cause. And Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know. Then you will know, guys, that I am He. When the Lord refers to Himself as the Son of Man, He's referring to the scripture that's found in the book of Daniel, where Daniel speaks to us, uh, the Son of Man, in a vision here. Look at this, Daniel 7 13. He says, I, keep, I kept looking in the night vision. This is Daniel talking. He said, And behold, With the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. Can you imagine what Daniel was seeing here? He saw something that looked like the son of man coming in this night vision. It says, and he came up to the ancient of days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him His rule is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. There's you a promise. Hang on to it. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. There's you another promise. The Son of Man, he comes to the Ancient of Days to be made ruler of this universe. So the Lord Jesus is referring here to his crucifixion and to his crowning that is yet to come. There's going to be a crowning one day of the Lord Jesus Christ. After the death and resurrection of Christ, many of these religious rulers, they believed. We are told in the book of Acts that many of the priests in Jerusalem, they believed. 
After a while, they believed. When they heard Jesus talking, they believed. This is what he is saying to them now. Afterward, they would know that he is the one that he claims to be. It would be afterwards. There are many that are going to, that are going to believe that he was the one, but it's going to be afterwards. It's going to be too late. It's going to be when they die in their sins that they realize that he was the one. He was the door. He was the way. He was the light. He was the bread of life. He was the well that never runs dry. He was exactly what they desperately needed, and they didn't know it. They were blinded by their father, the devil. The death and the resurrection of our Lord erased all doubt to any open mind as to his deity. The great and glorious work proved that he does nothing on his own initiative, but the Lord, he speaks these things as the father taught him. And I'm about to wind up here. Verse 29 says, and he, this is Jesus. He says, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. You get the picture over and over and over. He says, I do what he has me to do. I came from him. You came from, from below. I came from above. I'm doing what he tells me to do. You're doing what your father is telling you to do. Verse 30 said, and these, he spoke these things, and many came to believe in him. You see, there were many there that, that, that were against Christ. But it says that many came to believe. He spoke words so powerful and so convincing that many came to believe in him on this very occasion. In fact, the Bible teaches that some of the Jews who rejected Jesus would later realize that they had been terribly mistaken about him. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible teaches us that 3,000 souls would come to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah. But the majority, despite the evidence, they refused to believe. So it is today. The majority refuse the good news. They choose instead to remain self-righteous. They refuse to remain worldly. They, they intend to continue on unbelieving, and they continue on willfully ignorant to the very end. The Bible teaches that they will die in their sins. Hell is real. Hell is an awful place, but it's a place prepared for Satan and his demons and those who reject our blessed Savior, Christ. They condemn themselves to ultimately die in their sins and never see this place called heaven. The Bible teaches that they're going to suffer for all of eternity. The Bible teaches that there will be no ease. There will be nothing but agony, total separation, total darkness. 
weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's hell. That's hell. Stand with me, if you will, tonight. We're going to continue on through this discourse. I think about uh, about nine more verses, and we'll actually uh, be out of this discourse and uh, moving to. Let's see. I may have spoke too quick. No, that's a couple couple of verses over. But I hope you're getting as much out of this this. Uh, series is what I am. We're going going verse by verse through the Scripture, and it doesn't allow us to jump around. When we're committed to go verse by verse by verse, I think there's just so much there, and we could go through it all and preach it all again, and it wouldn't be the same. It just, it's just deeper than an ocean. It's wider than the east is from the west. It's wonderful, and it's, it's that living word, as, uh, as Sister Ruth reminds, reminded me. It, it, just keeps, it just keeps revealing itself over and over and over again. And there's nothing like the Word of God. But y'all, there are people that are dying in their sins. And I know as, as, as the church, we have the responsibility to go tell uh, people and to uh, preach the gospel and to be a light, to live our life in a way that, that, would, that would be characteristic of someone who uh, claims to be born again. But ultimately, the responsibility, when you tell them the responsibility is on them to come to Christ. And so we have to put it in God's hands. So let's be encouraged. Let's be in prayer for our country. Uh, Steve, you said that next, where's Steve at? Is he back there? Next Saturday, you, I, I want to remind everybody, at 5 o'clock, there, there's going to be a, a prayer for, I probably shouldn't open my mouth. Tell me again. At the Whitaker Park, at 5 o'clock, it's a national day of prayer. Be there if you can. Come and be supportive. I'm going to try to be there too. And let's, uh, let's just come out um, and uh, give it the, the time and the attention that we need to. Let our light shine uh, uh, for the city of Monterey. Let's pray for our nation. There's, a, there's an important election coming up. And there are people that are, that are running for office that we don't need. There's people that's running for office that we do need. And uh, so let's be in prayer that that that, uh, that uh, the the election is going to be fair and it's going to be without uh, too much trouble. We know that there's uh, there's uh, a lot of adversity out there towards um, between the parties, and I won't say much more about it. But let's be in prayer. We don't need to pretend like it it, it doesn't matter because it does matter. One side believes one way. Another side believes another way. And uh, so let's be in prayer for that. Anyone uh, have anything you want to pray about before we uh, close the service?